0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate that. That's beautiful. Beautiful song. I'll praise him for his glorious love. All right. Good to have you today. Glad you're here in God's house on this beautiful, sunny Sunday. <laughs> Somebody was just telling me the other day, we've had like five Sundays in a row of either very cold weather or rain and clouds. Well, praise the Lord anyways, OK, we're, we're here, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad we're here to look into God's word. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter seven, Mark chapter seven. I hope you're pulling for the Eagles tonight. just want to mention that while you're here. But uh, you know what I meant to do when you came in? I meant to have all of the eagle fans sit over here, I was going to have, er- and all the chiefs over here, so that when I preach, the sheep are on my right and the goats are on the left. Oh, I forgot to do that. That would have been a wonderful service. Okay, here, I could have preached all the good things over here and looked over at all this crowd. And, but anyways, it is good to have you in God's house today. Mark chapter 7, we're going to be preaching from, I'm going to read verses 7, verse 31 to 37, then we're going to drop down to verse chapter 8, verse 22, and we're going to read verse to 26, okay? All right, the title of the message today is, God, I Need Another Touch, I need another touch. I'm asking the Spirit of God to speak to you today as we come to His house and as we open our hearts to the Word of God. Stand with me now as I read God's Word. Verse 31. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, He came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of the Decapolis. And they bring unto Him one that was deaf, and He had an impediment in His speech, and they besought Him or beseeched Him that to put His hand on Him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and he spit and he touched his tongue. And he looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Apatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it and were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Verse 22, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and he put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men as trees, walking. After that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. You may be seated. Jesus moved and operated at his time with very few doctors. There were very few doctors around. No pharmacies, no CVSs, no ophthalmologists, no hospitals. No hospitals. That was nil in this day and age. Places were crawling with sickness. And so the only thing the cities knew to do was to excommunicate somebody who was sick to keep them away from the healthy. So all the healthy had to get out of town. Or excuse me, the unhealthy had to get out of town. So in their days, how it worked was lepers congregated with lepers, halt congregated with the halt, and the blind congregated with the blind. And the reason you do that is because you feel better around people who can relate to your pain. Now, in this particular context, these two miracles are part of what's called a sandwich. I've been teaching you this through the book of Mark, and if you'll follow this principle, you'll be able to interpret the book of Mark yourself because you'll see there'll be two stories on the outside with one story in the center. And so the center is the meat of the passage, but the two outside pieces of bread are these two miracles. You got the miracle of the guy who can't speak, and he's deaf, and you've got the blind man who can't see. And so those are the two outside pieces of bread in this sandwich story. Now, what's so unique about this one above all the others up until now is it is the end of act one in the book of Mark. There's three acts. I'll remind you this real quick. Act 1, his ministry in Galilee. Act 2, on the way to Jerusalem. Act 3, Jerusalem. That's the way the book is broken up. And so he's coming to the conclusion of Act 1, and he uses these two miracles to send a message, because these messages at the end of Act 1 are these uh, two stories are trying to tell us really not only about the two People who had a need from Jesus, but at a deeper level, he's getting to the end of Act 1 and he's like telling his disciples, You are symbolically like this deaf man. He's telling his disciples, You are symbolically like this blind man. That's why these are so unique in the way they're told. He's saying, You don't get it. I am God, I'm the Son of God, I'm God in the flesh. You're just not there yet, and so he closes act one with the fact of using these two miracles to bring out the fact that his followers are still not getting what he's about and why he came. That's very important to understand that, so that's kind of the context here, so these miracles become not only a real physical thing that happened, but symbolic to what is going on in the book of Mark. In other words, Jesus makes that very clear in the meat of the passage when he says in chapter 8, I'll just point this out to you in verse 18, you have eyes but you don't see. There it is. You have ears but you don't hear. You do not remember. That's an amazing statement right there. That's at the thick of these two miracles and the center of the meat passage. I'm not going to deal with the meat passage today. This passage is too long. I'm going to deal with the two pieces of bread, the two miracles. Okay, so he's telling his disciples that. In other words, I've been telling you this over and over, and can't you really hear me? You're deaf, spiritually. You're blind, spiritually. Okay, that's that's really what he's saying. That's what he's really trying to tell us. Sometimes we're deaf, and sometimes we're blind to things. You have 20-20 vision, but your soul, your soul, is full of blindness. It's full of blindness. You're blind as a bat. Blindness of the soul. Now that'd be hard for you to see because you think, well, I know Jesus is God, but at your level, maybe I should say it like this. I see people who want people to love them, but they keep pushing people away, and they don't see it. I see people who wreck their marriages because they have no clue as to what they are doing in the relationship, and they don't see it, and they're deaf to anyone telling them what's their problem. I see people who destroy their children with their words and with their habits, and then they cry over their children because they're foolish and backslidden, but the parent can't see it. That's that's deafness and blindness, and it's in all of us. And so my passage today or my outline today is how to see and hear better than you do now. How to see and hear better than you do now. I got four points. Here we go. Number one, let Jesus take you out of your environment. Let Jesus take you out of your environment. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do these miracles together at the same time. So if you look at both of them, chapter 7, verse 33, as soon as they ask him to heal the deaf man, what does he do? He takes him aside from the multitude. He takes him away from his environment. That's the way I'm going to use it and apply it today, okay? And then in chapter 8, verse 23, when they ask him to heal the blind man, what does he do? He takes the blind man and he leads him out of the town of Bethsaida. He takes him outside the town to heal him. Now, why does he do this? First of all, I want you to see this. Healing is not a show. It's not a show. It's not a circus. It's not something you see and then tweet about. Okay? That's not the way he's operating here because he is trying to go deeper here. Now, let me just say this, by the way, so you get this. Faith healers love a crowd. They want to get as many people as they can to their faith healing. The more people, the better the service. Isn't that interesting? Jesus wasn't interested in the crowd. He was interested in the person. And so he had an interest in this person. So that's the first thought I want you to see there. The second thought I want you to see as I get into this is what if what if his condition of blindness is being fed by his environment? What if the blind guy and the deaf guy, their condition is being fed by the environment they're in? You can't have a godly experience in your life in a worldly environment. You can't have a godly experience in a worldly environment. Jesus cursed this city of Bethsaida, Matthew chapter 11. It was one of the cities Jesus pronounced a curse in because they would not believe in the power of God. They would but not believe that Jesus was God and they would not repent of their sin. And so Jesus came and he cursed Bethsaida. They refused to open their eyes to who he was. They refused to see it. They were committed to being dysfunctional. They were committed to their pride. They were committed to their self-sufficiency. So Jesus said woe unto Bethsaida. He'll never do a miracle in Bethsaida. Never do one there. I just want to tell you as an application, okay? Christians, there are some places you can't stay if you need God to work in your life. There are some places you cannot stay if you need God to work. Sometimes He's got to take you out of your environment to get you to see that. Get you to hear that. Okay, number two, let's go on. That was a short thought, but I wanted to say it. Okay, number two, believe Jesus is the only one who can heal you. Believe Jesus is the only one who can heal you. Verse 33 says, "He took him aside from the multitude, He's put his fingers into his ears and he spit. Now we don't know from this passage whether he spit on the guy or whether he spit in his hands. We don't know, it doesn't tell us quite honestly there. And then he touched his tongue. Now, in the other passage, in verse 23, when he took the blind man out, he spit in his eyes. And he put his hands upon him and asked him if he saw anything. Now, let me just say something, okay? Look at it practically from your perspective. This is a serious infringement on a person's space. Don't you like to kind of keep your distance from me? You know, when people get too close to me, I step back or I try to hide behind a chair or something so they can only get so close. One is their breath. But the other reason is because, you know, there's a personal space we all have with each other. Jesus seriously infringed on this person's space. I mean, who goes up to someone and puts their fingers in their ear like this? Have you ever put your fingers in anybody's ears in your whole life? Think about that. Maybe a mom has, but I can't think of anybody else because that's kind of weird, isn't it? To put your fingers in your ear. Try that at work with someone sometimes. See what happens. Come here a second. I'm going to heal you right now. You know? See how well that goes, okay? And then he spit. Even if he didn't spit on his tongue or on his ears, he still spit in his hand and put his spit to his tongue. That's some serious, seriously odd stuff to me as a pastor, okay? So, that's offensive to us. He touched his tongue. He touched his tongue after he spit on his hand. Folks, they didn't even have Purell in those days. Now, normally, if you spit on me, I don't know what I'm liable to do, okay? I'm a preacher, all right? I'm a preacher, but I'm not glorified yet, okay? So I just want you to know if you spit on me, uh, sometimes I need my medication, that's for sure when that happens. And I, I can't guarantee you what I'll do. I got a black dog in me and a white dog. And I don't know who's gonna win that fight if you spit on me for truth, okay? Uh, you might get prayed over you might get punched who knows what's going to happen but uh, if you're a gambler I wouldn't bank on it okay don't bet against it all right but I just want to say to you isn't that kind of strange to all of us to be spit on have our fingers put in our ears I mean all those things are kind of strange so you have to ask yourself what's going on here and I've tried to do a lot of research on this this was a tough one But uh, a few things I can mention to you. I'll just give you some of the ideas of what I found. Number one, spit is unclean to the Jews. Spit is unclean to the Jews. So Jesus knew that, so on purpose he spit and put it on somebody. As if to say, I'm unclean, but I'll take something unclean like my spit and I'll do a miracle. That's that's one interpretation possible why he used spit Second one is he's actually healing a Gentile here. He's in the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, so he's healing a Gentile. And Gentiles in that day believed that spit had magical healing powers in it. That's what they believed back then in the first century. And by the way, if you ever do a little study on spit or spittle, all right, it has nitric oxide in it. And inside of that, if you put that over a cut, it'll kill the bacteria. Some of you might have known that. But if you didn't know that about spit, there's a good little little article I read this week, Fun Facts About Saliva. So if you want to read that, just put that in. It's seriously odd stuff, believe me. Okay, but that's uh, one idea that they were Gentiles and they would have accepted that healing kind of a focus with spit. I, I don't think either of those are it. I think the best idea, and I, I, mean, I just think the best idea of everything I've found is it's a foreshadowing. It's a foreshadowing. In other words, Jesus uses his own spit. Now think about it, okay? A liquid from his own body to heal people. Jesus uses a liquid from his own body to heal people. It foreshadows another liquid from his body that will be used to heal people. What is that? His blood. So any liquid Jesus has that he uses, he can heal people with his saliva, all right? His spit can give sight to your eyes and his spit can give hearing to your ears, but it can't save you from your sin. It can't save you from your sin. That's going to require his blood. And all of that is going to have to be poured out at the cross, And for you to put your faith in that and believe it, he pours out his blood for people on the cross so that the blood can save you completely down to the very center of your soul. Now, no matter how you cut this passage, there's no way around it's humiliating. It's insulting. That's the way you're supposed to read the passage. It's insulting to this man. But let me tell you something, okay? Get this straight about the Lord Jesus when he works in your heart. When Jesus works in your heart, there comes a time when you've been blind so long when you don't care what it takes to get out of your situation. There comes a time where you've been deaf so long that you don't care what it takes to get out of your situation. You just want a healing. I've been like this so long, I can't see, I can't hear. You simply say, I don't care how bad it is. Whatever you've got to do to me, I'm ready to do it. Have you ever done that with the doctor? Whatever you got to do, doc. I'm ready. I don't want to do it, but I'm ready. Whatever it takes, because I've been in this situation so long, I simply want out. Which is a beautiful thing to think about here. You don't care who's around. You don't care what they think. Desperate people want help. Desperate people want help. You'll get help at any cost. I was talking to a fellow this week in our church, and he told me how he got saved. He was saved in his barracuda, a Plymouth barracuda. Okay, He was 17 years of age, driving around a Plymouth barracuda. He came under conviction. He, pu- he pulled the barracuda aside on the road. He got out of his barracuda, and he got over by the tire, and he knelt down. And he confessed Christ as the Savior. I'd take a lot for a 17 year old boy to do that. How cool would that look? Got your Barracuda, it's probably that uh, lime green color, and you're kneeling down by your tire asking God to save you. I love that. See, it doesn't care. You don't care, you're not embarrassed. You're not humiliated. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever it takes. I love that. I love that. It's like the deaf man is saying, go ahead and spit on my tongue if that's what it takes. Go ahead. Put it right there. I almost hit my tongue there. I'm glad I didn't. I was thinking about all the people I shook hands with today. But put it right there, Lord. Can you just see him doing that? Don't miss. Don't miss. Spit right there if you have to. Don't spit on my jaw, don't spit on my nose, don't spit on my forehead. I want you to put your stuff right on my tongue. Right on my tongue. Put it right on my sorrow. Put it right on my predicament. Put it right on my problem. Nothing will humiliate me. I need your touch. I need your touch, Lord. Spit with all your might, Jesus. I need this. I need this. Now, are you revulsed by that? You're not desperate yet. You're not desperate yet. You're not desperate for God to work in your life yet. Let's go on. Number three. Number three. testify, Jesus does all things well. I'm only going to stay in chapter 7 this time. Verse 36 says, well, let me go to verse 34. And looking up to heaven, he sighed, and he said unto him, Apathva, that would be Aramaic. Jesus spoke Aramaic, all right, Apathva. And then it's translated into Greek, and then we translated it into English. So just follow that, okay? So he says a patha in Aramaic. That is be opened, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. I love that. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. I love those verses when you see those in scriptures. Matter of fact, it goes on to say, look at verse 37, and beyond measure astonished was everyone, saying, he hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. So what did Jesus do? He took those clogged ears on that man and he opened those clogged ears and the string of his tongue I love that line. That's an unusual line in the Greek. It's not used. Mark's real big about using words that aren't used anywhere else. The string of his tongue. It's literally in the Greek, the chain around his tongue. The chain around his tongue. There was a chain around his tongue. And he went in and he just said, be open. And the chain of his tongue, the chain that was wrapped around his tongue fell off. It's a beautiful thought. It was a double healing, a double healing here. He gets the gift of hearing, and immediately he's never heard anything, and he gets the gift of speech. He didn't have to go to school. He didn't have to learn it. They didn't have to teach him how to pronounce things anymore. He just got it. Gift of healing and gift of speech. It's a two-double healing, if you will. It went from a mumbling tongue to articulating the glory of God. It's beautiful, it's beautiful. That's how you have to see this and understand it. Until the Holy Spirit cleanses our heart and regenerates our soul, get this now, until he regenerates our soul, under our lips is poison. Until he regenerates our soul, under our lips is poison, used to utter blasphemy, used to take the name of God in vain, used to tear down people, until that's made free from the chains of sin. You've still got a poison under your tongue. Poison. You've got to be made free from the chains of sin. What has your life chained? What has your life chained? Anxiety? Depression? The pain others have caused? Does that have you all chained up? Jesus still frees people from the chains that bind them. The chains that bind them. Immediately, his ears were opened, and immediately his tongue was loosed, and he spoke clearly, spoke clearly. Verse 36, and then what does he tell the guy? He charged him, don't tell anybody. Now, isn't that ironic? I just opened your mouth, but don't go telling anybody think guy's going to listen to that he ain't going to listen to that he told all the more he told all the more and they all published it it's ironic he gets his voice back and jesus says be quiet be quiet why 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 does he keep doing this every time he does a miracle because jesus wants people to know i'm going to the cross not to a temporary healing convention All some people want is just to be healed. Jesus said, I'm not about a healing convention. That won't get you into eternity. That won't touch your soul. That'll just touch your eyes. That'll just touch your ears. You'll be healed for maybe 30 more years, maybe 20 more years, maybe 50 more years. But that won't get you to heaven. So I'm not about healing people. I don't want them to come to me for that. The only reason I'm going to church is because I want to be healed. The only reason I'm doing this is because this is what I want from God. No, no, no. God says, no, if you're coming to me for that, you're coming for all the wrong reasons. Uh, I want to heal your soul. I want to heal your soul. That's far more important than your eye problem. It's far more important than any health issue you got. I know you're seeking God for your health. I know you're praying about it all the time, asking your friends to pray for you. But God says, I want to make sure your soul is right. Your soul is far more important than if you would have lived 20 more years on this earth. Yeah, but I don't want to die, neither do I. But God knows the deeper need of your soul is far deeper than the need of your body. So don't publish just that I healed you, son. Tell people I'm going to a cross. That's that's the way to understand the passages of why he tells people to keep quiet. But the healed man couldn't help it. (laughs) He couldn't help but talk to other people. And all the people who saw it couldn't help. Does that happen to you when you got healed in your soul? Is there something inside of you that's just an inclination to tell somebody? That's a good sign Jesus really touched you. Because you want to tell somebody. They were shocked. The Bible says they said he had done all things well. That's a quote from Isaiah chapter 35 and I don't have time to go back, but the whole passage in Isaiah 35 is one of the things Jesus will do is heal the blind and heal the deaf and dumb and they'll be able to speak. And so they're quoting the very thing that Isaiah prophesied would happen. Jesus will do this and they'll say, he does all things well. And that's exactly what they said. He does all things well. He fulfills prophecy perfectly. He fulfills everything perfectly. Jesus never did anything poorly in his life. He never did anything poorly in his life. He set his face to Jerusalem, and he determined to be obedient to the death of a cross, and he was perfectly obedient because he does all things well. And the father was so happy about it, the father said, in him I am well pleased. He does all things well. He does all things well. That's the testimony of the book of Mark. He does all things well. Al Smith, remember Al Smith? I don't know if you remember Al Smith. He died here several years ago. He died of cancer. It was a very painful death. And I remember when I went to see him the night he died, it was after a service. I don't know if it was a Wednesday or a Sunday, but it was after a service. I went over to the home over there on on Piney Grove, back in there uh, behind that rest home. He was staying there temporarily. And uh, there was so much heartache in the home. There was so much sadness. Such a nice family. Al was such a, a sweet man. And so I said to the family, we're, we're around the bed. He's dying. He died about two hours after I left. I said to them all, I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're having to lose your dad. You know what? He opened one of his eyes, and he said to me, he knew who I was. He said, don't be sorry. He said, I'm at peace with this. And then he says, Jesus does everything right. Okay, I'm not sorry. (laughs) I mean, that that was just, that was like prophetic to me. I've never forgotten that. I'm at peace with this. Jesus does everything right. That's beautiful. That's the heart of a Christian when they die. That's the heart of a Christian when they die. He said the same thing that they said thousands of years ago when the deaf man was healed and the blind man could see. Jesus does all things well. That's why we can say in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, it is well with my soul. That's why we can say that. That's why we can say that. It is well with my soul. Not because you made it well in the storm. It's because Jesus does all all things well because when the spirit of god comes into a person he brings peace he brings joy he does all things well he does all things well let me contrast that to the world i ran across this this week they asked robert de niro in an interview what will you say to god when you meet him now yep, if you know robert if you know Robert De Niro, you know he's cocky. And Robert De Niro in this interview was cocky and in all seriousness he said, what I'm going to say to God is, God, you have some explaining to do. Quote Robert De Niro. I thought to myself, no Mr. De Niro, you'll be the one who has some explaining to do because you're a sinner like all men are. Jesus has no explaining to do to anyone because he does all things well. Number 4, let's go on. Number 4. Let Jesus finish what he starts in you. Okay, now go over to 8:22 and to 26 on this miracle. What's so unusual about this miracle? is it's a progressive miracle. It's in two parts. Jesus spits on his eyes, which I've already gone over that. He puts his hands on him, and he asks him if he saw anything. What do you see? Verse 24, And he looked up, and he said, I see men as trees walking. This is the only time it ever happens in the Bible. Usually Jesus touches somebody and they're healed instantly. That's always what happens. But here he touches them and he says, I can kind of see trees walking around and they look like men. Or I think they're men looking like trees. That's what I meant to say, okay? They're men looking like trees. He doesn't completely heal them. Now do you think Jesus says to himself, Ooh, I just I didn't pray enough this morning. Uh, Man, I've lost a little of my power. I'm kind of wore out. Come back tomorrow. That's not it at all. Jesus purposely, progressively heals this man. He only partially heals him in the first touch. This is an unbelievable thing. So the question is, now think about this, okay? Is the problem with his eyes or with the men he sees? You could have a legitimate touch from God. You could have a legitimate touch from God and still not have the right outlook. Let me say that another way. I want to build on that, okay? You could be saved and have a new heart. and still in need of further recovery. The blind man had a legitimate experience with Christ that has made him better, but he's not whole. He's better, but he's not whole. Now, Jesus knew what the blind man could see. I see men as trees walking. Jesus knew that but he wanted to hear the man's confession. He wanted to hear what the man would say in that situation. So the man confesses. Lord, I can't completely see clear. Lord, you gave me one touch, but one touch on my life is not enough. One touch on my life is not enough. I I need more help. I want to go deeper. The saddest thing for a Christian life is someone who's happy with just being touched one time. That's the saddest Christian. Well, I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. I'm just going to go make a lot of money. I'm just going to build a family. I'm just going to live for myself. You got one touch. But this man said, that's not enough for me. I need another touch because I don't got a right outlook on life. I can't see things clearly yet. He had a touch from the master, but I don't have the right outlook. I don't have the right outlook. I'm saved, but I'm still negative. I'm saved, but I'm still sarcastic. I'm saved, but I'm still complaining. I'm saved, but I'm still controlling. I'm saved, but it's still gossip gossip i'm saved but i'm still lusting i'm saved but i still dressed to be noticed why am i like this lord why am i like this because i you still don't see people clearly you still don't see people clearly i need another touch lord i need another touch i'm still snapping at people I'm still arguing with people. I'm saved, but my outlook is not good. My outlook is not good. You know what this man needed to pass? He needed to pass the test of mediocrity. He needed to pass the test of mediocrity. What's the test of mediocrity? Being a Christian who half gets it. That's the test of mediocrity. And most Christians are happy to live there. Being a Christian and half getting it, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. That's what the disciples' problem was. We half get it. That's why this story closes Act 1. We half get, you're probably the Messiah. Son of God? I doubt that. They half get it. Jesus said, you're getting there but you're not there yet. You're getting there, disciples, but you're not there. Do you need another touch? That's what he's saying by this uh, uh, story with the blind man. That's what he's saying to you. Do you half get it? Do you half get it in your life? Are you satisfied with the status quo? Are you satisfied with halfway there in your life? Or do you want to be whole? Oh, Jesus, I need another touch. See, some things in your Christian life can't be compromised. You can't be a little pregnant, okay? You can't be a little pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. You can't be sort of dead. You're either dead or you're not. You can't be kind of whole. You're either whole or you're not. Some things can't be compromised in the Christian life. I can hear this blind man saying, I'm glad what you did so far for me, Jesus, but I need more. I need more. One touch from you, God, won't do it. It won't do it. Lord, touch me again. Touch me again. Can't you just hear him saying that? I still don't have your nature. I I still don't have your character. Put it right there, God. Put it right there. Touch me. Touch me again. Jesus is saying in this passage, let me finish what I started. I've saved you, but let me finish what I've started. Because I want to make in you a good work. I don't want you halfway there. I don't want you just saved and on your way to heaven. Let me complete the things. I want to do in your life. I want you to come all the way out. I want you to see things clearly. That's what this man is going through here. One more touch, Lord. Okay, look up now. Look up. Can you see now? I can see clearly. I'm there, God. I want to see that. I want to see the things you see, Jesus. I want to be able to think the way you think. I I, I want to measure my sight against your sight. That's what I want to see, Jesus. Open my ears. Open my eyes. And He healed completely. Verse 26. And he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to anyone in the town. Don't say anything about what I did. Well, you know he's not going to do that. Don't say anything about what I did. Let me tell you one thing, though. He says a little different this time. He says, don't you go back into Bethsaida. Don't you go back there. Once you get your head on straight, sir... Once you get your head on straight, go anywhere but don't go back. Go anywhere but don't go backwards. Don't go back to where you came from. Don't go back to your past. Don't you do it. Forgetting those things which are behind, forget them. They're in the past, they're back there. You don't need to go back there. I don't know what you'll face or what you'll fight. But say in your heart, I will not go back. It's in the past. It's in the past. Have you let the past go? Or are you trying to go back? Are you trying to go back? Jesus said, go anywhere, but don't go back. Don't go back. Let's pray. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, this is how you see and hear better. This is how you see and hear better. If Jesus has never opened your eyes, he has never opened your ears, the first thing you need to do is you need to give your life to Jesus. I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I need to receive Jesus Christ into my heart. Is that your need right now? Your need to be saved? To open your heart right now. Not just your ears and your eyes, but your heart to Him right now. If you're here in that situation, would you lift up your hand and say, That's what I need? I need it right now. I need to open my heart to Jesus. Would you lift up your hand and say, I'm not saved? I need to start there. Just lift it up right now if that's your need. God's speaking to you. Is there anyone in here? God, this is where I need to start. I need to open my heart. say well Pastor Rob I'm saved I know I'm saved but I know there's something in my life I need another touch I need another touch touch me again Lord touch me again I need to see like you see I need to hear like you hear put it right there Lord put it right on me I feel desperate and I can't change it. Put it right on my need. Put it right on my sorrow. Put it right on my predicament. I need this, Lord. I need it. Oh, God, give me the right outlook. Is the Spirit of God speaking to you right now? You'd say, that's me. That's me. I need another touch. Put it right on my need, Lord. Put it on my sorrow. Put it on my predicament. Oh, God, give me the right outlook. Why don't you come this morning and just let the Lord know that right in front of this whole crowd? Just say, I need that. I need your touch. Father, I pray you take this message now. I pray you speak to the hearts of your people. Have your will in your way. Those that come this morning, Lord, put your hand upon them and give them another touch. Right there, Lord, put it right there. Right on their need. Right on their predicament right on their sorrow. Put it right there. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. The altar's open this morning. There's a need in your heart, in your life. For that touch, you come this morning as we sing. Let's sing.